coming to you live from Canada. Here comes your game-changing, life-transforming turning point moment. <clears throat> yes, this is the sign you've been looking for. You're listening to Engage City Church. Powered by hope, not hype. Online at engagechurch.ca. Let's jump into our Bibles, Luke chapter 4. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Craig, you have to help us out. If we're ready, say, I'm ready. Say it, Craig's ready. And uh, here we go, Luke chapter 4, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring, bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the, Lord, uh, the time of the Lord's favor has come. So Jesus just spent 40 days, at this point in Scripture, spent 40 days in the desert, not eating anything, fasting, praying, talking to God. During that time, Satan is tempting him the whole time. And this is the very beginning of Jesus' ministry career. This is the very beginning of his public ministry. And he comes into a church service just like this. Someone passes him a scroll. He opens it up to Isaiah, and he reads these words. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim that captives will be released. And then if you skip down to verse 21, it says, Then he began to speak to them the scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. If you're wondering how captives are going to be set free, if you're wondering how the blind is going to be set free, how the oppressed will be set free, Jesus is like, just look at me. We're just getting started. See, when I was in um, high school, not so much in, in Bible college, but in high school, I, I loved to write papers. Like, if I would rather write a paper than write a multiple choice exam, because if I'm being honest, I can kind of like fudge my way through a paper, even if I don't know all the content. Uh, multiple choice exam, it's like yes or no, I'm not going to do well. But I can kind of like, you know, uh, manipulate the system with the paper. I'm hoping my writing would carry me over my lack of content. And uh, But, you know, when you have to write those finals, they always want you, like it's really pesky. It's a real problem. They always want you to write your outline as well as your paper. It's like you got to provide your outline. And then uh, you got to write your thesis statement out. You got to do all these kinds of things. And I'm like, well, that's not how I roll, teacher. And so I would just write my whole paper first. And then I would go back at the end and I would figure out what my outline is. Because I believe every paper is like an adventure. You know, you start at one place and we'll just, it's like choose your own adventure. We'll see where we end up. I'm not sure where we're going to get. So I'd go back after and write my outline. So they always wanted your outline and they wanted your thesis statement, right? This is like, what's this paper all about? The truth is Luke chapter 4 verse 18 is Jesus' thesis statement. He's like, if you want to know what I'm all about, this is what I'm all about. And he drops it right at the very beginning of his ministry. He says, this is my thesis statement, and I'm fulfilling it today. The fulfillment starts now. If you're a professional wrestling fan, th this is Jesus' entrance music. It's like, I don't know any wrestlers' re uh, entrance music, but I'm just going to say that that's Jesus' wrestling. I wasn't allowed to watch it as a child. I don't know why. Sheltered probably, but... um. But this is like, you hear the music, you know who's coming. When you hear these words, when you see Jesus, you're like, man, I think I feel free. Like, the captives are being set free. People are getting healed. There's miracles. Jesus says, boom, if you want to know what I'm about, I'm about setting people free. He's about setting people free. So then the lens shifts back to us, and the question becomes, what is the thesis of my life? How do, what's my thesis statement? How do I define my journey? How do I define my life? What's my entrance music? 
We've got a whole bunch of different ways to figure that out. A whole bunch of different ways. I'm going to get Haley to come and help me out with this, I think. See, what we end up doing is, <laughs> all right, settle down. <laughs> just hold on for a sec. Just, just stand up here and look nice. Thank you. Everyone, give Haley a big round of applause. She's like, I don't want to come on the stage. I'm like, too bad, too bad. I really actually called you up a little too early, but that's all right. You can just hang out. Christy's not up here, so I just didn't want to be alone this time around. The question is, how do we define our lives? Is it by our jobs? Is it by the cars that we drive? Is it about uh, our gifts, our talents, our abilities? Do we define it by our handicapping golf? Like, what's that thing? The truth is, those things become our crowns, and our lives become the kingdoms with which we protect those crowns. You see, maybe paper crowns, amazing. Did you ever, uh, at Christmas time, do you ever do this where you cross your arms and you have those little popper things, I don't know what they're called, and you pull them, and then everyone gets a paper crown that comes out of those things? Anyone do that? Anyone? Just me? I'll be like, hey, look at all these people. And, and it's always, the way that it always works is you pull the crowns out, everyone kind of puts them on until that one person decides they're too cool for school, and they just pull it off, and then literally within three seconds, all the crowns vanish. It's like nobody wants to be the person left wearing the crown. Well, I'm going to put my, my, my uh, pride aside today, and I'm going to say this. If, what, if, what if we defined our lives, or what if we could say that our thesis statement of our lives were actually the crowns of our life? The crowns of our life. And our lives were a kingdom. What is your crown? Let's say that your crown is maybe money. I don't know, it's a common one. We all like money. We all kind of need it to live. Money in and of itself is not inherently evil. It's the motivation behind it that is. But let's say that my, my whole life is about money. Yeah, there you go. It's green. Get it? And so when I enter the room, when I walk in, you know, oh, I know what that guy's about. That guy's about cash. That guy's about making a deal, making a sale, closing the ABC, always be closing. You know, when that guy walks in the room, you just got that, he's got that era about him. You know what that person about, their thesis statement, their crown is the pursuit of money. You know that about them. Maybe yours isn't. Maybe you're like, oh, I'm not that person. I could never be that person. That person is so unholy. And then we, maybe your thing is education. You're like, listen, I don't need to be the richest. I'm just the smartest. And your degree or your accomplishment or your certificate, whatever it is, becomes the thing that defines you. The way that you can make other people feel small in the midst of a conversation is the thing that drives you and defines you. So when they walk in the room, it's like, oh, great, here's the know-it-all. And you think, yeah, that's because I actually do. And so you put on... These are going to get smaller and smaller. I feel like Jughead right now. It's like, hey, little crown. And so we put on all these different crowns on our heads, and we say, this is our kingdom. We're going to protect it. In the United States, there's this thing called uh, the Castle Doctrine. Has anyone heard of this? Don't try this here in Canada. You will go to jail. Uh, here's the Castle Doctrine. If you're using your U version, the notes, the definition will pop it up, but I'll just read it to you. The Castle Doctrine is this. It's also known as the Castle Law or the Defense of Habitation Law. It's a legal doctrine 
that designates a person's abode or any legally occupied space, so a, a vehicle or a home, as a place in which that person has protections and immunities. Turn to your neighbor and say immunity. Permitting one in, in certain circumstances to use force up to and including deadly force to defend oneself against an intruder. Free from legal prosecution for the consequences of the force used. Meaning, my castle is my home, this is my kingdom, and I'm going to do whatever it takes <laughs> to defend it. The interesting thing is, first of all, don't do this in Canada. <laughs> you will go to jail. Do this in the southern states. You will be a hero. <laughs> that was a joke. It's fine. And yet, that's how each and every one of us lives our lives. This is my crown. This is my kingdom. This is my identity. Don't touch it. Don't poke at it. I will hurt you. I will strip you down. This is what I'm known by. This is how I'm known. Don't try and define me as anything else. I am this. And we fight. And we fight. And we struggle for, to protect our kingdom, protect this house, to protect this crown. I will protect this crown. The thing is, we realize as soon as we get this one on our head, that unfulfillment follows shortly after. And so we move from one crown to the next, to the next, to the next. And we, we, we gather this like chain of crowns. But what we discover is the crowns that were once on our head. become the shackles of our own success. Thank you, Haley. Yeah, we protect our kingdoms because this is who I am. This is what I do. What am I without these crowns? Galatians 5 says, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free. <laughs> make sure that you stay free. And don't get tied up again in the slavery to the law. <laughs> Think again about Jesus' thesis statement. <laughs> He's anointed to bring the good news to the poor. I'm willing to go so far as to say, if you define yourself by the crown of cash, though you may be rich in this earth, you are poor in spirit. But Jesus came to bring good news to the poor, that you no longer have to be defined by this one thing. He came to proclaim that the captives will be released. You don't have to live in the shackles of your success or in the burdens of your blessings any longer. Jesus came to shatter the shackles. Matthew 27. Pilate ordered that Jesus be flogged with a lead-tipped whip, then turn him over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. When it says that he was turned over to the soldiers with a lead-tipped whip, the best way that I could describe it is to take screws and nails and anything that somebody might put in a pipe bomb, and don't Google it later. <laughs> the police will find you. <laughs> and they put it at the end, of a leather, leather whip. I mean, you know Indiana Jones. Whoop like, that thing's going to cut you. 
Now imagine screws and nails and all kinds of metal objects and rocks mashed into the end so that when it grips your flesh, it rips it off. Or maybe it gets stuck, so they have to just pull a little harder. So Jesus was beaten, and then he was whipped. You know that feeling when you put a, a Band-Aid on your, uh, your cut, and then it like scabs over, and it like gets caught on the Band-Aid material, and then you whip it up, rip it off? You know that feeling? Yeah, Christy's going to vomit on the front row because she knows that feeling and she's pregnant, so she's actually feeling it right now. Um, Jesus gets beaten, he gets whipped, and they put a robe on him and they start mocking him. They say, here he is, king of the Jews, and they put this crown of thorns upon his head and they start laughing at him. And then they let the blood dry to the robe so the next morning when Jesus wakes up, they rip it off and all the wounds come open again. For he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. For when we were utterly helpless, Christ came. Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now most People would not be willing to die for an upright person, it says in Romans 5. Though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. While we were still in our chains. Going back to Jesus' entrance music, his thesis statement he said that the blind will see the blind will see now if I was to take my glasses off I could give you a demonstration <laughs> but I'm going to end up hurting myself and I already look like a fool with the jughead hat earlier but I would go as far as to say if I'm allowing my crown to define me then the longer these things become my identity, the longer these things give me direction, the sooner I will realize that I'm one who's walking without vision. That I'm one who is wandering from one thing to the next, from one idea to the next, from one career to the next. Looking for some kind of fulfillment, looking for some kind of answer. Maybe you're wandering from one relationship or one marriage to the next looking for some kind of answer, some kind of anything to make you feel alive again. You thought, hey, maybe if I get in this relationship and I cheat on my wife, I'll feel alive again like I was younger. But maybe you just lost the way. Maybe the freedom that you thought you were living in are actually actually shackles on your hands, binding our futures. The book of John says that there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. When Jesus went to the cross, the passage I read in Romans 5, it says that while we are utterly helpless, Jesus came at just the right time. And he died for us. He showed his great love for us while we were still sinners. 
Not when we had our act together. Not when we were all dressed up and in our Sunday's best and looking nice. Not when, you know, we cleaned ourselves up and polished ourselves up and stopped doing that thing or stopped doing that behavior or stopped keeping that secret or whatever it was. Not when you've been sanctified and sanitized and you start getting your behavior in line or your morality. Jesus didn't die for your morality. Jesus died for your heart. For every part of you. And when you begin to realize that great love, that great sacrifice, you start responding to that love in a different way. You see, most of us act or behave or respond to love or what we think is love. When the money starts rolling in, we respond to the way that that makes us feel. So it alters our behavior. When we get into that relationship, <laughs> we like the way that that love feels, and so we alter our behavior. When Jesus comes into our life, we experience true freedom for the first time. <laughs> and then we begin to respond to his love in a whole other way. It's not about you forcing yourself to act or behave in a certain way. It's about me being so compelled by love, by the sacrifice that was made on that cross, that I can't help but respond to his mercy and to his grace. As Jesus was hanging on the cross, his arms nailed so that with every breath he had to Lift up on his legs, lift up on his hands to grab a breath. Jesus prayers, praise, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. And with a breath, he declares it is finished. And his body hangs limp. And the earth begins to respond to the loss as thunderclouds roll in and the skies get dark in the middle of the afternoon. There is a shaking that's heard and felt all across the region as Jesus <gasps> breathed his final breath. In the temple, the veil which separated the presence of God from the rest of humanity, they started to tear and the veil was torn as if Jesus was saying, my body might be dead, but my spirit is alive and I'm about to bust out. The veil was torn. He might not have been present, and I can tell you the Saturday probably felt like an eternity, but on Sunday, on Sunday, Jesus, alive. <laughs> Jesus appears to John in a vision in, Re in Revelation 19. And this is what John sees. He sees Jesus and he says his eyes were like flames of fire and on his head were many crowns. On his head were many crowns. When the veil was torn, <laughs> Jesus broke out. And he says, I'm shattering these shackles. I'm shattering these shackles. 
And he's pictured with crowns, many crowns. Because I bring my best achievement, my best accomplishment, which at best looks like the same kind of craft that my son will bring to me. And I say, thanks, buddy. In the same way, I bring the best of what I have to offer. And I lay it at the foot of the cross. And I say, Jesus, I no longer define myself by what I can do. Instead, I define myself by what you've done for me. I'm no longer held or bound by the shackles of my own success. Instead, I'm going to follow you. Why don't you stand with us today? My mind to Calvary Where Jesus paid and died for me I see His wounds, His hands, His feet My Savior, that cursed tree
shall pierce the night and I will rise among the saints my gaze transfixed on Jesus face and oh praise the name of the Jesus echoed through the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 1, chapter 18. I know that you don't love the snow that came down at springtime, but I think Jesus did it just for us. I love this. Come now, let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them white as wool. <laughs> you know what I love about the snow? Is that when it melts, when I look out my backyard window, I see all the kids' toys that I forgot to put away. I see all the junk, the dirt, the voles that have infested the back of my yard. Then I wake up on Saturday. I got the best looking yard in the neighborhood. It's clean, it's level. You know, the great thing about snow is every divot, it just flattens it out. Every deficit flattens it out. Every piece of mess that I, I'm embarrassed about, garbage, you just covers it. It's clean. Jesus says, come on now, let's settle this once and for all. I'm going to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes all across this place. Whether you've been a Christ follower for a long time, a Christian, or you aren't one yet, but you're here today and you would say, man, I feel like I'm just caught on the hamster wheel. I'm in the rat race. I'm just, I'm just jumping and I'm running from one thing to another, from one crown to the next. I'm chasing it down, trying to find fulfillment. I'm trying to find peace. I'm trying to find an answer. I'm trying to find anything to give me meaning. And every time I arrive somewhere, I realize that the destination is not what I anticipated. And so you're a restless soul being tossed to and fro by the ways of life. Shackled by, in many ways, your own success that's you today, Jesus, 
is clear. And in the same way that he tore the veil, he wants to shatter those shackles that bind you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody's looking around. If that's you today, and you say, man, I just feel stuck. I feel shackled. I just need Jesus to break me free. I'm willing to take these crowns and lay them down to let go of them. Because as much as Jesus is going to come and set you free, he's asking, are you willing to lay them down? So if that's you today, again, every head's bowed, every eye's closed. You want Jesus to shatter those shackles. Just give me a quick wave. Three, two, one. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Jesus, I'm so thankful that I can come. We can come together. We can lay down our crowns. We can lay down our successes and our failures and our sins and our mistakes and everything at the foot of the cross. And you say, come. Son, come, daughter, and find life and find hope and find purpose in me. So, Jesus, right now, I pray for each and every one of my friends who waved, and I pray for each and every one who didn't, who would say, the struggle is so real inside of me that I don't even know if I'm ready to let go. Yeah, I don't know if I'm ready to yet be defined by Jesus instead of what, be defined by what I can do. God, I pray for peace that surpasses every and all understanding. You would give us a peace in knowing that we can find hope in life in you, that we don't have to be defined by our things or our stuff or our jobs or our incomes. We can be defined by what you've done on the cross. I thank you for freedom now as you come and you begin to shatter those shackles. We lay them down at your feet. You say, I've come to set you free. God, give us vision and direction again. I pray that the moment we lay down those, those, those shackles and the moment you come and break them off, God, that you would give us clarity of sight and go, oh man, it's like I can see for the first time where I'm supposed to be headed. Thank you, Jesus. Here's the second thing. If you're here today and you say, I don't know why I'm even here, but I'm here and I want to start my journey with Jesus. I might not get it. I might not understand all of it, but I just feel like I'm compelled by this love. I'm compelled by this mercy and this grace. And I don't want to live stuck or shackled or chained. I want to live free with Jesus. If that's you today and you want to start that journey today for the first time or maybe it's for the 32nd time. Again, every head's bowed, every eye's closed. If you want to accept Jesus Christ into your life, make him the king of your life, start that journey today. I'm going to count down from three. As I'm counting down, people all across the room are going to be praying for you, praying for the courage for you to respond, praying for the courage to trust Jesus. Here we go. If you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior to start your journey with Jesus today, give me a quick wave when I get down to one. Here we go. Three, two. People are praying for you right now. One. Just give me a quick wave. Thank you. Anybody else? Why don't we all repeat this prayer together? Say it at the top of your lungs. Say, Dear Jesus. Dear Jesus. I need you. 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 In every moment. In every moment. In every situation. In every situation. I need you. I need you. Today. Today. I give you my wins. I give you my losses. I give you my successes. I give you my failures. I give you my sins. My mistakes. And my accomplishments, accomplishments. is all yours. yours. You're the boss. You're You're in charge. charge. I'm following you, Jesus. I accept you into my life. life. And everybody in this room said, 
Amen. We won't give them a big round of applause. Those who prayed that prayer. You've been listening to the Engage Life, powered by Engage City Church. If you like what you heard, check out engagechurch.ca.